Welcome to Live on Purpose Radio with Dr. Paul Jenkins, where you will hear inspiring stories of ordinary people doing extraordinary things. Feed your mind with a regular dose of positive energy and show up for your life every day on purpose. Living on purpose means that you have a purpose and you do it intentionally. And now, here's your host, Dr. Paul. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Live on Purpose Radio. This is Dr. Paul, the shrink who expands your life with another phenomenal guest here at Live on Purpose Radio today. I have with me a good friend and colleague, Mitch Seahusen. Say hello, Mitch. Hello, everybody. Glad you're here. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Now, Mitch is the incoming president of the National Speakers Association, Mountain West Chapter, of which I am a member. I work closely with Mitch on the board of that chapter. And we're having all kinds of fun, aren't we, Mitch? We are. And I, uh, we really like our friend Brad Barton's title, uh, NSA, Ida Yutana. Ida Yutana. Ida Yutana, yes. Because we have four uh, of the Western United States yeah, are involved in our chapter. We already had Utah, and uh, at some point, one of our predecessors decided that was not enough geography. Right. So they did a land grab and picked up three other states. Idaho. Right. Wyoming. Correct. Montana. Correct. And, of course, Utah. Very nice. Thank you, Dr. Paul. So here we are. And Mitch, you're the incoming president for That's our right. chapter. You've been a speaker for most of your life. That's correct. At this point. That's correct. Sometimes working for Fortune 100 companies, sometimes freelancing it. Um, You're a speaker. You present on topics of of leadership, business development, safety, and life. Can I add that one? Very well put. Thank you. Oh, well, thank you. So, Mitch, tell us your story a little bit. Where are you coming from? Give our listeners a little feel for who you are. Well, I was uh, born in Sioux City, Iowa, mm-hmm. in 1959. Okay. And shortly after I was born, uh, I stayed in the nursery for quite a while. And my birth mother was not sure if she was going to keep me or if she was going to give me up for adoption. She had originally promised ah. to give me up for adoption, but she lamented on that choice for about three and a half, four weeks. And during that time, I got extremely ill with staph infection, and I almost did not survive. Just as a little infant. Correct. So you but got a, ro- a rocky start. I had, huh, I had a rocky start. I did. And uh, my poor parents, they weren't certain if they were going to, they'd had all this adoption papers figured out and paid for it, et cetera. And mm-hmm. their attorney had flown to uh, Sioux City, Iowa, to pick me up. And this is, again, this is in the time of air travel in the 1950s, imagine. Mm. And came back the first time and then communicated for a long period of time. And then when she had finally signed the papers, then he took another trip. And this time he decided to surprise my parents, did not tell him that he was, he was going back. He's kind of a, uh, a joker, kind of a tricky guy mm-hmm. and picked me up and brought me back to Idaho Falls, Idaho <laughs> and showed up at two o'clock in the morning at my parents' door with me. Wow. And they were so blown away. They had nothing, no preparations. It's like the stork just dropped you like there on the, the stork, doorstep. Yeah. And uh, the part that's sort of funny is the attorney was an African-American gentleman and if you can, mm-hmm. in Idaho in 1959. 
in Idaho. There were not right. a lot of African-American people, so he was kind mm-hmm. of an anomaly, kind of like the only one. Right. And he practiced family law, mostly divorce law mm-hmm. for women. So let's just say he wasn't a real fun guy, wasn't real popular, uh-huh. uh, not loved. Most everyone hated him. The whole time I grew up, everyone would say bad things about him. I'm like, well, he's the reason I'm here. He's, Why would you say such a disparaging remarks? He's the stork. <laughs> he's Reg the Black Stork. Well, Mitch, we could launch into all kinds of conversations about adoption and family dynamics. Probably that's not the direction we'll go with this show today, though, because I think that there are some principles you've become aware of. As you've worked with businesses and as you've spoken to audiences, there are some principles that have congealed in your mind. And you were born in the 50s, dude. So you may be older than many of our listeners. Yes, probably so. And younger than some, but... But mostly older, yeah. But mostly old. I know, that's weird, huh? No, not really. It used to be kind of weird, but I'm cool with it now. <laughs> You're embracing that. It's groovy. <laughs> yes, groovy, nice. <laughs> what are the principles? If you had to, to just hone it down to... A couple of principles. What what rises to the surface for you, and how have you learned it? Well, we grew up in a society where everybody says there's only two certain things in life, and they're death, death and, and taxes. Correct. Mm-hmm. But I believe there's actually three non-negotiables in life. Okay. And they are death and taxes as one combined. I'm going to combine those. You're going to combine them. Right. And then I'm a big fan of science because I do have a bachelor's in science, but I've never actually worked as a scientist. Okay. So the second principle is gravity. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, natural laws. Yeah, natural laws, gravity. Love it. And the third one, which I really want to move to the top, is hope. 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 Okay. So define that for us. Well, without hope, without hope, nothing is possible or Nothing is, is accomplished. This gets down to a belief, doesn't it? It does. We don't know what's coming. That's, that's one of the fun parts about life. That's <laughs> why I get up every morning. We don't know what's coming, but we use our active imaginations to come up with all kinds of scenarios. Very true. And I believe that hope ties into that. Yes. It's a scenario that you create in your mind, which is favorable for you. I don't know if that's your definition, Mitch. How would you expand on that? Well, I believe hope is what makes me smile in the morning. Mm -hmm. I like to wake up in the morning and and sort of have a small devotional of the five things that I'm most grateful for that morning. Yeah. Oh, and gratitude is such a powerful tool to get us there. It is. And most people don't realize where the term gratitude comes from. Mm. Enlightenness. Well... The definition that I like, there's lots of definitions, but I believe that gratitude comes from grace. Mm-hmm. And being a Christian, we're only saved by the grace of God. Mm. And gratitude is a feeling or a position. In fact, you know Mike Schlappi. I do. Mike was on the show wow, a couple of years ago, I guess. And listeners, if you haven't heard that episode, go back and listen to Shot Happens, uh, which is also the title of Mike's book. But Mike talked about attitude and, and gave a new twist to it that I hadn't really encountered before, except through reading his book. And that is attitude as 
a position, a position toward your circumstances or a position toward whatever it is. It's a position, like in an airplane, for example. And this is what Mike shared with me. The attitude indicator is the most important instrument in the cockpit. Not altitude, attitude, which is the position of the plane relative to the horizon or the ground. And you can see that if you've got a nose-down attitude, you're heading for the hard stuff, as opposed to a nose-up attitude, which gives you altitude, which elevates and lifts. So I like that position idea. I think it ties into what you're talking about with hope. Well, and it kind of ties into what's topical just in the last couple of weeks. Mm. The young man with mental illness that had somehow hidden that and ended up behind the controls as a co-pilot of the plane over mm. in Europe, mm-hmm. locked out the captain, mm-hmm. and where did his attitude go? Mm. Down. And took everyone on the plane with him yeah. into the mountains. Have you seen this as you've worked with companies and businesses? That that attitude really makes a difference in the bottom line, for example? Absolutely. Attitude is everything. Wow. And Okay, so you're a speaker. You're the guy who takes the mic at the front of the room and tries to get people motivated and inspired and connect them to principles that are going to improve their life somehow. And you're saying that attitude is everything. Attitude is everything. Wow. What can you share with us about that? One of the first memories that I probably have is uh, as a child, uh, my father was a leader in the Lions Club in Idaho Falls. Mm -hmm. And my mother had a lot of uh, illness, primarily mental illness. Most people don't want to talk about mental illness, but I'm a child of mental illness, so I'm happy to talk about it. And I'm a shrink, so we're good. We're perfect. We're covered. Let's go. (laughs) And so... uh, it's, it's kind of a crazy thing that kind of goes on. So you must have a positive attitude. My mother was very ill one time. They'd already paid for both dinners to go to the Lions Club dinner. It was at the West Bank restaurant in Idaho Falls, right across from the falls, right across mm-hmm. from the hospital, the LDS hospital, the LDS temple, right there in beautiful downtown Idaho Falls. Mm-hmm. So as a 10-year-old boy, I got to go with my dad, which mm-hmm. I thought was pretty cool. Yeah. Because dinner was already paid for, and here I'm hanging out with my dad on a, some big important on a big meeting. important meeting, and uh, I'm thinking this is awesome. But a few minutes into the meeting, there was some whisperings and rumblings going on. Mm. And it turns out there was a meeting in the main banquet room that had everybody pretty excited. Oh, there was a gentleman by the name of uh, Neil Armstrong. For those of us that are old enough to remember uh. it, he was the uh, guy that said, uh, "That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind." First guy to walk on the moon. As he stepped onto the surface of the moon. Right. So this was the following summer, and he was actually in Idaho Falls with the Department of Energy people, and they had actually taken him on a field trip that day out to the craters of the moon, State Park. Yeah. And so they were debriefing him, saying, well, what's it like? (laughs) Uh, It's like lava rock. Huh. But all the guys in the Lions Club in their uh, Sansa Belt jeans and their Banlon t-shirts, or I guess golf shirts, Mm -hmm. wanted to get to meet him. So they used uh, the 10-year-old kid as a ploy because the kid wants to meet the astronaut. Of course. Of course. Uh, Certainly, they were all dying to meet the astronaut. Mm -hmm. So afterwards, everyone was saying, well, what was he like? He was nice. Mm -hmm. How was he different? Uh, He had on a white shirt 
and a tie and a blue blazer. What else? Mm, he was probably sh- quite a bit shorter than my dad. You're just picking up on these physical observations. Right, because I'm a 10-year-old kid. I mean, yeah. I, I had stayed home. and Just a person. I had, yeah, but I had stayed home on that Sunday. I was thoroughly impressed on the black and white TV watching it happening live. Mm-hmm. I thought it was awesome. And I had followed it, you know, the, the entire year afterwards. Yeah. But to actually see him in the flesh, I thought, what's the big deal? He's just a guy. Really no different than all of my dad's friends. But Human beings are pretty similar. Pretty similar. We share common characteristics, and there are a few things that set people apart or that put them in a place like Neil Armstrong, mm-hmm. who, because of his attitude, his position toward life, was able to accomplish some remarkable things. But he's just a regular human being. Well, and it's interesting because he refused to write an autobiography his entire life. Oh, yeah? And as he was about to pass away, he had gotten very ill. He made a deal with, uh, I can't remember the gentleman's name, with NBC News, who had been a lifelong friend. Mm -hmm. And the book came out, I believe, last year, within the last couple of years. Mm -hmm. But he was kind of had a personality like John Stockton, for those of in the Mm -hmm. local community that know how John didn't want to be a celebrity. Right. And people said, well, he's rude. No, he's saying, I'm not that big a deal. I'm just a guy who plays basketball. Just a guy. And that's the way Neil treated it, too. He's like, yeah, I was the first guy to walk on the moon. So what? Mm Mm-hmm. I'm just a guy who was in the right place at the right time. Which is good news for the rest of us because if a normal, regular guy can show up and walk on the moon or become the all-time assist leader in the NBA, what does that mean for me? What does that mean for you? Anything's possible. Anything's possible. You take a position of hope and determination... There's all kinds of things that you can create. Very cool. Okay, we've teed this thing up. We're going to take a brief break and be right back with Mitch C. Hughes. Hi, my name is Chris Crone, and thank you for listening to Live On Purpose Radio. I became financially independent, starting from nothing, by the age of 26. My purpose is to financially liberate the captive. Are you searching for a realistic, proven system in real estate to create enough residual income to retire or fund your dreams? I invite you to learn about a passive, turnkey, proven system and approach to real estate where my team of 200 experts can do all the heavy lifting to create the freedom you're searching for. Visit www.liveonpurpose.strongbrook.com to get a free copy of my book, The Straight Path to Real Estate Wealth. Just enter the code FREE at www.liveonpurpose.strongbrook.com. Thank you for listening to Live on Purpose Radio. We're so glad to have you here. Please come by the website, drpauljenkins.com, spelled with a D-R, drpauljenkins.com. On the website, you'll have an opportunity to receive a free download. And while you're there, make sure you click on the social media icons. Come over to Facebook, where we will be posting these episodes as well as our YouTube videos 
and other content and announcements for you to share. Please like us, comment, subscribe, join the conversation. We're happy to have you with us here at Live On Purpose Radio. Let's all support each other to live on purpose. DrPaulJenkins.com Leaders must be close enough to relate to others, but far enough ahead to motivate them. John Maxwell back as we talk about success mitch you've had an opportunity to share ideas with your audiences about success what brings it about what creates it and you're putting together a new book also yes that's right it's called 77 successes which is hard to say if you have a lift (laughs) 77 successes and the subtitle to that is Defeat Today by Leveraging Your Past. That's right. And we were talking during the break a little bit, Mitch, about this word defeat. What? Defeat today? And I got the picture in my mind of, of a battle. And some people do this, don't they? They get up in the morning and they feel like, oh, I've got this battle ahead of me. Correct. And who's going to win? Is the day going to win or am I going to win? That's the image that comes to my mind. Tell us about your book. Well, in my life, uh, I had a mentor. Her name is Kathy Loveless, and she had talked about 100 successes in your life. And stay tuned, because Kathy will be a guest on this show soon. Oh, very nice. I've got her coming in a couple of weeks. Very nice. Yeah. And as, as having Kathy as my mentor, I wrote down 100 things in my life that I was successful. And the first time you start 100 to write... 100 things? Correct. You've got that much success, Mitch? Uh, I've got more than that. At first, it was tough. But Wait, you're just an average, regular guy. Yes, I have two legs. I put my pants on one leg at a time. Which is the whole point that we talked about in the first segment. So this is not some outlier kind of a thing. This is something that any of our listeners could do as well. Correct. Cool. Yeah. I, I interrupted you, though. Continue. No, 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 that's fine. That's fine. We just have to make the connections where we can. Perfect. Perfect. Well, the book is not going to go really deep dive on all 77 of my personal successes in my life. Mm-hmm. It's only going to really cover seven. Okay. And then there's going to be an accompanying workbook for those that are in my audience to take stock in their own life and write down their 77 life successes. As we talked before the, before the break about attitude, position, hope, it starts with that, really. Absolutely. So as someone gets up in the morning, what, what is that mental attitude well, that should, helps them to accomplish these successes? Well, most people take a very negative attitude, I would say, because they turn on the television. Mm. Oh. Or they listen to talk mm. radio as they're driving in and back and forth to the office. You know what? I did a little experiment last week, Mitch. I turned on the radio which I don't do very often anymore. I have my headphones on. I'm listening to podcasts. Okay, like this one, but I'm subscribed to dozens of, of good material, positive stuff that lifts me. But I, I, I just tried turning on the radio. And the energy 
was completely negative. Yeah. And I, I was listening to news. Okay. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't really news. It was stories about negative things. Tragedy sells the news, whether it's uh, television yeah. news, newspapers, tragedy sells the news. And the television, the, the news media in general has somewhat of a negative bias. Would you agree? Absolutely. Their mantra is if it bleeds, it leads. Uh, yeah, which is unfortunately true because we all have this kind of morbid fascination with problems. Some people do, yes. You have to, I think it's, you have to make the choice to reprogram your life. Mm-hmm. And to take a different direction on purpose. Absolutely. Live with a purpose. I, you know, a great friend of mine, Dr. Paul Jenkins, wrote a book about uh, living on purpose. <laughs> Being well-intentioned in what you do. Thank you for the pitch, Mitch. Pathological positivity. Pathological positivity. It's, Sounds a little crazy to some people. Oh, I think it's awesome. Because you look at the world around us, and yeah, there are things happening. Some of which are very painful, difficult, challenging. But you know what? For every painful story that's out there, I think that there's another story. Absolutely. About being a hero. Absolutely. One of my favorite books is a little, The Little Yellow Book of Attitude by Jeffrey Gittimer. Oh, yeah. He's got little books. Little Yellow Book of the Yes, I'm sorry, Yes Attitude. Uh-huh. And he says it's not a positive attitude, it's a yes attitude, which is a little bit different okay. than a positive attitude. Uh-huh. So he says feed your mind every day with things that make you feel, yes, I can do it. Just like yes. we're talking about, yes, I can slay the dragon, I can defeat the challenges of today. Yes, yes, yes. You know what? Just from a psychological perspective, Mitch, it's possible to take a no attitude or a yes attitude. And it's a choice. It is a choice. Most people don't realize this because it feels like there's not really a choice. Right. So what have you found about that? Well, it's interesting. A couple of years ago, my son, Lander, went down to Dixie College. uh, I guess it's Dixie University now. I'm dating myself Mm -hmm. uh, for a year of school. And he went down in the summer Mm -hmm. with one of his really good buddies and they worked outside in the heat in the summer in St. George. And they got a real true appreciation for hard work. But when he left home, which was a week after he graduated from high school, I gave him a, bo- a copy of the book my, that I just mentioned. Jeffrey Gittimer's book. Jeffrey Gittimer's book, The Yes Attitude, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I bribed him. He didn't realize I had bribed him, but I put a large number of large denomination bills as bookmarks in the book. Through the book. Correct. <laughs> Brilliant. Because every college student is broken, poor, and needs money. Uh-huh. So I knew when he called home and said, hey, Dad, you know, I'm broke. Can I get... 10 bucks, can I get 100 bucks, whatever. Yeah. Um, then I had it, so we'll just get the book out. It's like, sorry, son, can't help you. Can't help but you. Have you read that book? Have you read the book? <laughs> so <laughs> the book was wrapped up in tissue paper, and he had Love it behind it. the seat of his truck. Mm-hmm. And we never really closed the loop on when he did finally read the book. Now he's engaged and getting married this summer. And Uh-oh. at Christmas time, he and his fiance were talking, and at our home on Christmas morning, and she said, oh, it's that story you told me about your dad giving you the book with all the money in it, the yellow book. Uh, but I haven't got the chance to sit down with him and close the loop on... You need to get the rest of that story, I do need Mitch. to get the rest of that story. You know what? That's a, that's a really cool parenting strategy. Thank um, you. And take note, folks, because if, if there's something important that, that has changed or motivated or moved you in some way... It's natural to want to share that, but other people are not necessarily motivated to 
consume that or to read it. And I, I just love that idea. And so I had taken these bills and I had bookmarked some of my favorite passages in the book and mm-hmm. highlighted them. So my thought was, you know, hey, I'm having this problem, Dad. Well, okay, look, at, go, go open the book, mm-hmm. crack it open, go to the first bookmark. But what really happened was he would never mention the book. So every once in a while I would say, well, have you had a chance to read the book? Mm-hmm. No. <laughs> have you had a chance to look at the book? Why do you keep asking Why me that? No. Asking? Yeah. So that's kind of the last time he and I had talked about it until Christmas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> which is a number of years ago. It's kind of funny. You get to choose which position you will take. And I, I've asked, I, I gave a lunch keynote yesterday, Mitch, and I was asking this, this group, how are you doing next month? I'm doing awesome because if it's to be, it's, it's up, up to, to me. me. Yeah, and we do have something to do with it. But you know what? The answer to that question is, I don't know. I mean, the most truthful answer is, I don't know how I'm doing next month. Well, let's circle back to what you're talking about listening to talk radio. Mm-hmm. So you hear occasionally a human interest story about someone who won the lottery or, mm. right? Yeah. Found The guy who found the bag of money recently on his mm-hmm. way to work. Oh, he's what? Lucky. Mm. Mm. Right. Uh, it's one of Gittimer Sains, and one of my favorites. I found in life, the harder I work, the luckier I get. <laughs> That reminds me of Mark Twain. The harder I work, the luckier I get. Yeah. And so we have something to do with our position that we take. And since we don't know for sure what's going to happen, why not choose a position that serves us well? And when you think about doing better, okay, than you currently are. Correct. I mean, you're already rocking it. It's awesome. But if you think about doing better, how do you feel? Feel awesome. One of the stories it's in the book. Energy of, switch, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is. One of the stories in the book uh, that I'll share with you briefly. I had a really good friend. His name is Mike. Uh, mm-hmm. A big guy. Oftentimes people would mistake he and I for each other, which was kind of funny. And it took us a few years to figure that out. Oh. But I always call him Bishop Mike. Just, uh-huh. you know, just as a term of endearment or Big uh-huh. Mike. So one day we were meeting for breakfast and he said, what's troubling you? Uh-huh. I said, oh, I'm, I'm fine. He said, no, 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 something's troubling you. Yeah. I said, well, I have a piece of equipment that I can sell if I can get it to Twin Falls, Idaho, but I have no way to get it there. And today, huh. the landlord of the building that I used to lease before my business closed mm-hmm. is going to hire a forklift and is going to set this thing outside. And in a few hours, all the scrap metal will be gone. This thing will be of no value. Mm-hmm. So Mike says to me, give me the address. Mm-hmm. And tell me what time. Mm-hmm. And I thought, okay. So I gave him the address. And I said, well, they're probably going to do it about 10.30 or 11 is what they told me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I show up over there about 10.30 or 11, mainly to make sure that they get this piece of equipment out. I'm, again, I'm, right. I'm losing hope. The thing that we must have, uh, I'm kind of feeling down in the dumps. And all of a because sudden... Because you're imagining all the ways this isn't going to work. Correct. Yes. I'm yeah, not, just notice that. My new t-shirt, it says, take my advice, please. And on the back, it says, I'm not using it. <laughs> That's nice. But as I'm standing out behind the building, my lease building, I can hear a diesel truck in mm-hmm. the distance. And it's getting louder. It's getting louder. Mm-hmm. It's getting louder. And around the corner comes my friend, Big Mike, with his big truck, diesel truck, and behind it, 
the biggest trailer I've ever seen in my life. Plenty large enough to accommodate your piece of equipment. Exactly. And his full intention is to transport that thing to exactly where you wanted it. Exactly. Without being asked. Wow. So, you know what? This is the thing. And, and thank you for sharing that story, Mitch, because you don't have to know exactly in your own head how this is all going to happen. But when you take a position of hope, like you're sharing with us, you take a position of hope. You choose to believe that the good thing will happen for you, then your human treasury comes in. One of the books or chapters in my book is titled Your Human Treasury. Right. It's, it's Great the chapter. big mics in our world Love it. who show up and somehow magically help us to accomplish exactly what it is that we wanted to do. And it's always supported by that other person. The how is the least important factor in any project. Interesting. The how yeah. is the least important factor. Yet we live in a society where everything is focused on the how. And yet that's the least important factor because the, the answer to that is to be found in the minds and experience and knowledge of your human treasury. Right. doesn't have to be in your own. And as long as you're connected to those folks, you're going to succeed. Absolutely. <laughs> so Mitch... There's a way for people to get a hold of you, and it's primarily through your website. That's correct. That's right. It is, yes. So Mitch C. Hughes, spell that for us, Mitch. M-I-T-C-H, like ditch, only Mitch. Like ditch, only Mitch, and he gave a pitch for my book recently. Thank you. And then C. Hughes, S-E-E-H-U-S-E-N. Mitch, S-E-E-H-U-S-E-N, MitchCHughes.com. Correct. And there's there's a way there for them to contact you to learn more about the, the trainings and the keynotes that you provide to companies and organizations wherever they are. Yes. To create that attitude of hope and some possibilities for success. Absolutely. Awesome. And you also have some specific topics like safety and other things that you would Right. Absolutely. People can learn about that on the Talk about well. love. And if you want to party with us... Thank you. Yes, go ahead. Mitch, Mitch and I are teaming up in this this uh, Mountain West chapter of the National Speakers Association to HireSpeakers.com. And that's where you can hang out with both of us. Exactly. Third Wednesday of August, we're going to kick this off. It's uh, Dr. Paul and Mitch C. Hewson's Bloody Reign of Terror. <laughs> go out there and live on purpose.